Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So Onyx, if you're not using it already, you should be, especially this time of year where you know the most of my scouting takes in place from behind the, the computer screen or on my phone. So I wanted to share a little uh, tidbit, so a little uh, feature that I use on Onyx a lot. And this is mostly for hunting mountain bucks in the east, but can also be applied to uh, different areas of the west as well. And that's the timber cut feature. So what a timber cut you know, basically is from a, you know, a high level overview is an area that they have logged. Um, they either went in and clear cut the whole area, cut all the trees out, or they've thinned it, select cut. So only taking certain trees. And what Onyx has is they have the United States Forest Service timber cuts showing areas of the logging operations on national forest land over the last five years. So this layer is perfect for targeting thinned areas of the forest and specifically with mountain bucks, it will help you figure out what the different food sources and bedding areas are. So when you got, you know, a younger cut, it's just, just been cut. I remember, you know, in years past of looking at, I'd go into an area and in like August, they'd start logging it and I'd get so depressed. I'm like, everything's changing, cutting out all the timber through here. You know, what am I going to do? What I've come to learn is those fresh logging cuts are great for, you know, fresh feeding, things along those lines. And that'll, that basically it's a big woods food plot. And as the cuts even, you know, get older, my favorite time to hunt them really is in that three to eight year old range. And what you can do with Onyx is when you put the layer on, so what you do is when you have your, say your phone open, and you go to your map layers, you click on the hunt layer system, and there'll be a section that says timber cuts. Turn that on, and it'll pull up a little gridded area of anywhere that's been timber cut with a year on it. And it'll tell you the type of cut and what year it was it was logged. And what's super helpful about that, like I said, when you find those ones in that three to seven year old range, Usually you get the the new growth is getting about five to seven feet tall and it creates a lot of new growth for them to feed on. Um, but it's also getting really thick with briars, blackberry bushes, things along those lines that, that are keeping them secure. So they'll bed, you know, either on the edges or inside of these, these logging cuts and timber cuts. But uh, also usually there'll still be some big trees they left up so you can get in your tree stand or saddle or whatever method you're using and be above them and you know shooting down into some of the the skitter trails and stuff that go throughout the cuts so the deer kind of feel secure with the the canopy being a little bit taller than them they're not as susceptible to look up and that's just something that i'm using a lot especially going into a brand new area i'm using that timber cut feature targeting those those cuts in that you know three to seven year old three to eight year old range and looking for them to start scouting 
So that's a, a big feature that I don't think a lot of people are utilizing. And it's a huge help for me when I'm hunting, you know, mountain bucks throughout the Appalachian range. So if you want to save 20% off the Onyx Hunt app, just use code EMW and you'll save yourself 20%. Also, the University of Elk Hunting with Corey Jacobson and Elk 101. Elk season is approaching quickly. September's almost here. But uh, even if you're doing a rifle hunt, uh, they have information in there for everybody. And it's a really good time. Dial in your gear, figure out what other things you need, and... The University of Elk Hunting will help out with that and help reduce the learning curve. I know for me specifically, I'm diving back into the module about elk calling. I need to be practicing a lot more than I am already and get get my bugling down some soft cow calls, just kind of messing around with that because I, I've realized that's been you know one of those things that I need to work on a little bit. As I can call, you know, under perfect scenarios, but when you're out of breath and you're hiking, you know, you need to have that stuff dialed in and I need to practice a little more than I would for say turkeys. And so using the University of Elk Hunting, Corey shows going through the different calling techniques, how to use the mouth calls, the different types of calls out there. Super helpful. So if you want to use the code East Meets West, save yourself $20 on the online course and invest in yourself. Maven Optics has just released their new V5 series optics. So what they did was they took the smaller, like lighter magnesium frame and the same Abbey Koenig prism system that was in their B2 binocular, which is the one I've talked about a lot that I use, um, and paired it with the same fluorite glass that's featured in their S series spotting scopes. So they created a bino that excels at capturing detail at extended differences in both the 15 by and 18 by magnification. So it's the most powerful binocular that Maven offers. And what's so you know great about this new platform, it's for some people that say maybe don't want to pack in a spotting scope, like the the idea of looking through, you know, both eyes instead of one. And it just kind of fit that that niche there and and with you know all the the technical terms of the the prism systems and stuff what that really means is it's superior in low light with not without losing any clarity at distance so if you're looking to do some high country mule deer hunting here late august early september uh, maybe glassing some elk in open country the b5 may be right up your alley so if you want to use the code east meets west dash gift to get a free gift with every full price optics order off the website just let you know that does not work with the Amazon Prime um, link that they have on the website. That'll be just directly from Maven. So check that out. And and then lastly, as far as the the partners go, Heather's Choice has you know the the highest quality food options for the backcountry travel. You know whatever that might be. And right now is the time when you should be trying out different meals, snacks, everything to see what you're going to be taking with you on your hunts, because you don't want to be eating something the first time when you're, you know, on your hunt and realizing that you don't like it and you have seven days worth of the same thing packed. So it's a very good idea. Check that out. Try it. If you use the code East meets West at checkout, you'll get free shipping on orders over $99 or if you just want to try it out 
and you want to you know try a sampler package or something along those lines, just use the link in our website. That really helps out a lot. All right, before we get into the episode here with Sarah, I want to kind of, I haven't went through my gear items here, some things I've changed. I had mentioned in a recent article about my gear setup that I was going to be changing out some new items and adding them in. So I wanted to go over some new gear uh, pieces that I'm using and just kind of playing around with. So I talked about the Maven S2 spotter. It's 12 to 27 magnification. I'm going to be hunting a little bit more open country. We're glassing the first light and in the evenings it's going to be crucial. So I'm going to be running that and that's spot, that spotter is so extremely light. It actually weighs even a little bit less than my B2 binoculars, which is crazy. So it won't take up a whole lot of weight in my pack. The size is small and I'll be using that. In addition, I've changed out a few items in my Sika system, so my clothing system. And as as you know, you know, I've I've been using Sika for a long time and started I started buying it back in 2013 or 14 and then ended up working for a dealer, got to know the ins and the outs. I mean, my system from last year is dialed, but I like to mess around with new stuff and just keep, you know, finicking with it. I I guess I am a little bit of a gear junkie from that standpoint. So what I did was I I always like wearing their short sleeve core lightweight base layer. I like the short sleeve. The day when it gets hot, I can just wear that. And I just don't like a whole lot of stuff on my arms. So this year they redesigned their base layers and their lightweight short sleeve sure is even lighter than before so i got the subalpine version and been kind of messing around with that wearing it out doing some scouting trail cam checks and really liking that piece so what i'm going to do with that is over top of it so what i'll probably wear for 90 percent of the hunt will be the apex hoodie over top of that so the apex hoodie is I'd say it's kind of in between their mid-weight and their heavyweight core series as far as weight, but it incorporates some merino wool in that. So it's extremely good with scent control and everything there. So I, I like that piece. It's got a hood. I'm a big hood guy with built-in face mask, all that stuff. So that, that'd be kind of like how I'd start my top, which I've used the Apex hoodie last year, but... I'm going to utilize that a little bit more and I'll tell you why. So the next piece that I'm using is the Kelvin active hoodie. It's, I have I've been using the Kelvin active jacket for the last couple of years. And it's by far probably my favorite piece that Sika has out there. When you pick this jacket up, it doesn't feel like it'd keep you warm or anything because it's so lightweight and packable, but it breathes really well. So I'm, I get hot when I'm hiking. I, I don't like to wear much of anything. But the Kelvin active jacket has been something I'm able to have high exertion. It'll allow me to dump heat, but also retain heat when I'm sitting there, um, say glassing or doing anything else along those lines. But the Kelvin active hoodie, what really brought me to it is I just mentioned about loving hoods. Well, this has a hood built in and also it's short sleeved. So it's really weird seeing a jacket without full length sleeves, but it reduces 
any bulk, you know, on that, that forearm area where you really don't need much warmth anyways. So provides really good bowstring clearance. And it also allows you to wear the elbow pads and the apex hoodie for stocking. If that's something you're into, it's a four way stretch nylon shell and the form fitting hood kind of cuts back like towards your ears around your eyes. So you don't lose any peripheral view and the Polar Tech Alpha insulation is what I'm talking about that allows you to be able to dump heat when you're moving, but also retain it when needed. They, they pulled out the liner that was in the, the Kelvin Active jacket to make this even lighter. And this piece is crazy. I just wore it this past weekend out in Colorado as the temperatures dropped down around 40 degrees, maybe even a little lower. And uh, that piece was really awesome. And I'm planning on as the summer goes on using it more it's kind of tough because how warm it is to really get a good test with it but some of those cold mornings and everything you can get a good good feel for it so really pumped about that item and another piece of Sika that i picked up is the the ascent gaiters so they're a small gaiter that you know some people use them for trail running keep sticks and stuff out of their their shoes but what what i kind of want to explain so Gators, I've always thought of them as you need them in snow and say crossing uh, creeks, anything like that. And you typically think of them being higher. Well, what's cool about the ascent gators is they're lower. And what what I, there's a couple ways you can wear them. You can wear them over top of your pant, like a traditional gator, or you could wear them underneath your pant and just go over your socks. And why that would provide a purpose and what the gators help so much with is if you've hunted elk or anything else in September, you'll know that in the mornings the grass can be really wet and kind of dewy, and it'll it'll as you're walking through that get your pant legs soaked, and the pants, especially if you're wearing something in a performance type, uh, you know, system, whether it's the Apex, the Ascent pant, anything like that from Sitka, that those will dry really quick. But what doesn't is when the moisture gets into your socks then your socks get kind of it starts you know running down and getting your foot wet and then your boots get wet and it's so difficult especially on a backpacking hunt to be able to dry out your boots so if you run the gators say underneath that you can run them over top of your socks and that'll keep the water from going in there any moisture and it'll keep your boots dry and I think having dry boots is just, that's almost uh, a huge mental win is having those, you know, stay, stay nice and dry. So the Ascent Gator is something I'm definitely going to be using. We were the Thunderheads a couple years ago out there. Liked them a lot, just for a little bit more than what I needed for that, for that application. The Mountain Hauler 4000 pack. So I ran the 6200 and I ran uh, my Kafaru last year. Loved both of the packs. Each of them had kind of their own, um, you know, wins and some things that I didn't like. And I talked about that last year um, on the last day of my the 14-day hunt series that I did. If you want to go back to those episodes, Colorado Hunt Series, look at the last one. I went through my whole gear rundown of what worked, what didn't, and the reasonings. So... The Mountain Hauler 4000, I, I didn't have a pack that kind of was like a day pack that could be also used for hauling meat out. And the 4000 does that with a, you know, a smaller platform than the 6200. And so it can be compressed down really good. They added a couple pockets to the back of it. 
um, that fit like a spotter, um, your rain jacket, puffy jacket, something, those things that need to be accessed quickly. And also the, the biggest thing that I love about this pack now is the U-shaped zipper that run. So when you lay the pack down, you don't need to just, you know, stuff it from the top. You can open that pack wide open, put your stuff in there. It's just really easy to access everything. And when, like, there's a reason why I love to mess around with my gear ahead of time and get my system dialed so you're not just, you know, scrambling through stuff in the field trying to figure out, you know, where you stuffed everything in your pack. I like to have it kind of broke down, you know, in a systematic type approach. And this Mountain Hauler 4000 is, is dynamite. I mean, it's the same exact, you know, frame suspension system that's in the 6200. But just a little bit smaller bag size with, in my opinion, um, for the type of hunting I do and the way I like to lay out my gear, even a little bit better of a layout. So I'm really pumped to use that, you know, for the longer for the longer hunts. You're hunting six, seven days packing in, then obviously the 6200 fits that better. But for some, you know, day hunting with, a, you know, a couple, maybe you want to stay two, three nights, this, this Mountain Hauler 4000 is going to be the ticket for me. So I'm... I'm still still messing around with that. I've been training a little bit with it and throwing sandbags in there and figuring out how I'm going to pack it exactly and really looking forward to that. So my whole gear setup is online. If you want to go over to eastmeetswesthunt.com slash journal, you can find my gear setup with links to all of the items I use. And what I did was I just optimized it with Amazon to be able to find just about every piece the the link will take you to an Amazon platform. And I'm in the process of creating a page on Amazon. So it'll be like my whole, all my gear stuff that I buy down to the, the fire starting, you know, the SBIT tablets that I use and down to the paracord I buy to take out just everything. Cause a lot of times, you know, you hear, Oh, I'm bringing paracord or I'm bringing flagging tape or I'm bringing a tent footprint. But what, you know, where, what are these things? So I made it simple and put links to all of it. And once I get this store created in Amazon, you can go in there and find all of it right there and be able to click on it and, you know, purchase it that way. If that's something you want to do. And if you have any questions on it, feel free to shoot me a message on either Instagram or through email. And uh, I'll be able to kind of talk you through it a little bit better than than I might be here in that article. So check that out. As we get closer to hunting season, I'm going to break down some more gear items and and talk about it. I mean, gear is something that can be overcomplicated, as I do myself a lot. But um, I'm going to break down all those items. And is everything that I use something that you need? Absolutely not. I mean, I built I built this stuff over four years of elk hunting now to get to the point where I'm at now. So I've, you know, I do believe in the kind of buy once cry once mentality where it might be a little more expensive up front, but the gear lasts you a long time, probably a lot longer than I'm going to use it because I like to try new things. And, and, uh, that's a, a problem for my bank account sometimes, but it, you know, it is what it is. And then lastly, I wanted to just quickly cover, I just got back from Colorado. I took a, just a weekend trip out there, flew out of Pittsburgh to Denver to visit my brother who lives out there. And we did uh, an overnight camping trip with 
a good friend of ours, Chris Toomey, who was was a special guest on the podcast a couple times during the the Elk Hunt Colorado Hunt series that I was talking about earlier. He hunted a few days with me last year when he was brand new in elk hunting. He just moved to Colorado from the Pittsburgh area. So we went camping with him and his wife and a couple of other of their friends, uh, Jerry and Brittany. And it was a great time. Just went back into a national forest in Colorado, set up camp and, you know, truck camp there. It was an awesome time. Did a little, uh, a little bit of hiking too with my brother and my sister-in-law and and their dog. And I'll tell you what, it, that was a great test to be able to see how much my fitness has improved from last year and can definitely tell that the mountain tough fitness program that I've been doing has been helping out a ton. We did just yesterday morning, did a just over a seven mile hike and moving at a pretty good pace that the dog likes to likes to pull pretty quickly and I felt good even at elevation and we were at points on the trip around 11,000 feet and you know at first you got shortness of breath and I took it easy the first day but really felt I acclimated a lot quicker and wasn't breathing heavy just felt excellent so I'm super pumped to keep you know working out every single morning before work get up and and go out and and get ready because and I just can't, you know, stress enough how much fitness helps with it. It's not the, you know, make or break of a hunt all the time, but I do believe you can stay out longer and you're you're uh more inclined to do different things than you would, you know, normally. So that trip was awesome. Got to mess around with some gear, do some camping, get to see the high country again. My first time this is my first time out west that wasn't for a hunt, and that was kind of nice at the same time. So I was able to do the trip, you know, on a budget by staying with my brother and, and just camping. So if anybody, you know, if you're going to say you want a scout unit or something, usually you can fi- find plane tickets. You book them for far enough ahead for a reasonable price. I got a direct flight to Pittsburgh. It was under $300, and flew out there and you know if, if I was going to be hunting this year I've done some scouting and everything so that that uh, was a nice trip to be able to to get out there and and uh, get in the mountains a little bit all right well I've rambled on enough here in the in the intro so let's get into the podcast here with Sarah Lauder Bush. What's going on? Sarah? What's up? Well, today's actually not too bad of a day at the Total Archery Challenge. No, a little nice. bit of sunshine. Well, well, time without some rain doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's nice R- that finally we're cracking our first beer. It's I mean it's like five p.m. Right? <laughs> okay, no, it's ten forty-five a.m. Ten forty-five a.m. That's close. Close. To it's close enough it's five o'clock somewhere yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so anyways i'm joined here uh by sarah lauder did i pronounce that right yeah yes i got it you got it i was worried last night i was talking to sarah and i was like how do you pronounce your last name because i don't want to be that guy (laughs) that comes on the podcast and pronounces it wrong but um yeah so we're here at total archery challenge sarah what what's your reason for being here so I'm a ambassador for Sitka, so I'm here uh, talking gear, talking hunting, shaking hands, 
having a good time, doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so just the uh, usual. Just, <laughs> just the usual. <laughs> so, Sarah, you also work for a company full-time in the outdoor industry yep, here. Yep, I work for Easton Archery. Um, I handle all the Western United States uh, archery shops in a couple of states on the East Coast and uh, get to pedal arrows. Yeah. <laughs> Talk awesome. arrows for a living, so that's a good time. Yeah, coming out of, coming out of beautiful Utah. Yeah, <laughs> it is gorgeous, except for it's just nonstop rain. I can't get away from it. I think that's really anywhere this time. I mean, at least this spring it's been wet right. everywhere, which kind of sucks. Hopefully that means big deer, big elk. Yes. Yeah, that's good for antler growth, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the way to, to look at it there. So, Sarah, do you want to give a little bit of a kind of background on yourself, and then I'll fill in some gaps? Sure. Um, I grew up hunting. Um, been going with my dad since I could walk, pretty much, and he'd haul me around in a wagon duck hunting, and then I it just kind of grew into it. I didn't. I mean, that's just what our family did. We've always hunted together, so every year hunted with my parents until I was old enough to do my hunter safety and start hunting for myself and then hooked I mean, yeah. every year since just I hunt with my family mainly so it's it's non-stop we all hunt different seasons kind of I do archery uh, me and my dad and my mom uh, hunts with the muzzleloader and right now my sister's doing dedicated hunter which is uh, archery rifle and muzzleloader and so we're non-stop yeah. From archery season to the end of November. So August to November, pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, I mean, I, I have only ever worked in the outdoor industry. So I hunted my whole life. Um, started working at Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> and then evolved into working at Easton. So, I mean, that's kind of eat, sleep, and breathe it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Even, you know, your professional life and uh, your hobbies are all yep. kind of fit into one there. Yep. And get to go to shows like this and meet awesome people like myself. Oh, yeah. You cannot beat the people <laughs> at these events, though. I think you missed that first part. Oh, about you? yourself? Yeah. <laughs> people uh, like myself. Just trying to not be arrogant, you know? <laughs> just had to slide that one in there. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, no, it is awesome coming to these events and getting to be able to talk to everybody and, and meeting some really cool people in the in the process. So, it... Uh, there's also something else you must have left out. Oh no! Can I can I go out and say it or no? Uh, yeah. You know, I think you should just go for it. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna tell you what I know about Sarah. So I met her at ETA uh, here earlier in the year, and so next time I saw her was here at Total Archery Challenge. Walked into the house and we started talking about playing cornhole. And Sarah proceeds to tell us that she's ranked number 36 in the state of Utah, which she was better, but she skipped a few events. First of all, I never knew there was any such thing as rankings in Cornhole. Like, it's serious. Like, she's got an app called, what's the app oh, called? Oh, gosh. Um, Cornholio? Yeah, Scoreholio or Scoreholio. And she's legitly <laughs> ranked in oh the state. Oh, my gosh. That's one of those so, things that you say, and then, like, later you regret bringing it up or bringing it to anyone's attention. Yeah, we didn't, like, we hammered you this whole <laughs> time about it. Because we played a lot of Cornhole Because then I have yesterday. to, like, play. I have to show up. I can talk about it but i gotta be about it and then had a couple off games and then and you were my partner and <laughs> didn't help out at all no, like, i was i, I was, was carrying the team i was carrying the team you were struggling there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay I, that's that's honest i mean sarah definitely hit it i mean i'm not very good at cornhole until i'm in that like three nope. to five 
beer window. Right. You know, we talked about that. You There's can't, been studies done. Before that, you know, it's hard. And then after that, you know, it gets a little bit hard with coordination and stuff as well. So, yeah, that's uh, that's just something I wanted to put out there. I don't think Sarah's ever talked about it publicly before. No. But I it's... Definitely have not. It's a big deal. <laughs> and <laughs> she should be recognized for that. I should. I should. All right. Let's go back to hunting. I'm done ragging on you about that. But... <laughs> Okay, so, you know, you're from Utah, and Heart is some absolutely beautiful country, everything else. And what's your favorite, I know you said you're into archery hunting, but what's your favorite uh, type of hunts? Um, definitely, so I do a lot of, um, I mean, I get my general tag, so we hunt public ground, and my favorite, that's got, I mean, that's my favorite. I've been, I've hunted out of state a little bit, but kind of my home turf in the mountains, that's that's where I enjoy it the most, and we hunt with my family. Yeah. So I'm up there, but my I think fall, it's so hot in August. So I think my fall archery hunt's got to be my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Fall archery hunt. And um, for deer, so what kind of I guess what kind of hunt is that? Is it like a spot and stock? Yeah. Type? Oh yeah. Yep. Um, I've hunted out of a, a tree stand a time or two, and that's just not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all spot and stock pretty much. Okay, and. That time of year, so like your September, everything, is it more high country type stuff you're looking at in Utah? Or what's it like around? Um, where where I hunt, so we have, my general season is more, I think we're at elevation, maybe around 8,000 feet, just over 8,000 feet. Um, it's kind of open where I'm at. A lot of hills. I mean, obviously in the mountains, a lot of hills, a lot of sagebrush, um, a lot of trees where I hunt in the late season. So once your general season's over, those dates are up, then our Wasatch front opens up and that is a whole new world. That yeah. th those two from where I hunt general season to where I hunt extended season is two totally different terrains. It's steep. It's gnarly. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's a, it's a hunt for sure. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to hunt Utah and every time I look into applying, I get overwhelmed by the fact that I feel like I'll never draw. Yeah, <laughs> and I tough. don't end up spending the money on it. But I guess you can't you can't win if you don't play the game. Right? Yeah, that's tough. But yeah. I mean, you should do it. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. What the general tags? Yeah, I yeah, just any because with our general season archery tags, you can draw your unit, but then extended opens up, so then you have a whole nother month to hunt in a different area. I'm not following you here, so. So you so you can still put in for a draw. Yeah. But you can So get even if you if you don't so if there's a tag that is easier to draw in a certain area, you can still you know, put in and draw and have a better chance at drawing it and hunt that area, but you have kind of like a second chance once that season's over, that's your where you drew your tag for is closed, but then our Wasatch front opens up oh, for Okay. I gotcha. I'm following you now. I, it's so confusing because each state oh, is so different. And the season and, dates. Yeah, and that's amazing to me that everything's just so different. So with you can get you can pick up a deer tag general every year. Um, I can for where I put in for. It's not a super popular area, but it is uh, semi close to home, and we you know have a lot of. I mean, we know the area there, so that's where I, I go, and that's I draw a tag every year. Yeah, do you typically do pretty good? Yeah. Yep, it's been a rough couple of years, just deer, I mean, we, we've, 
you know, you get your favorites, and so yeah. you, you kind of chase the same ones and kind of get one track mind and put all your eggs in one basket. So it's been kind of rough, and then they just disappear. Yeah. They don't exist anymore for the rest of the season and then next summer. So I don't know. I'm kind of holding out. Are you? I, it's funny because, like, I mean, even though it's different with mule deer, but we get like that with whitetails too, you know, it, where you're probably glassing them and spotting a certain deer you're going after. You know, I'm looking at trail cam pictures, right. and I'm like – you know, it's it's all or nothing. You know, I get in that mindset, and I try not to, and try just to be like, hunt the experience, don't hunt that right. certain animal. But yeah. it's, it's it's hard. In our head, oh yeah, you know, it's yep. tough to be. And then able it's to do almost that. like you got to. It's like a challenge now. Like it, they're they're disappearing on you year after year. You have history with a buck, and then okay, now I need to zone in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And is it? Is it tough as far as, like, trying to find those same deer year after year? Like, um, A lot of them are pretty consistent. It depends on the area and where they where they go to winter. But a lot of them are pretty consistent. The same uh, couple bucks I've been after the last few years have been pretty consistent on even down to, like, opening day. But mm-hmm. right when you think you have it down, and I say this every year, I'm like, this is where they were on opening morning. This is where I'm going to be this year on opening morning. And they're not. <laughs> they're on the opposite hill. Yeah. So they're in the same area, just kind of hard to pattern. Yeah, I, I haven't dove into the whole mule deer hunting thing. I think that that'll be kind of my thing. I just, I love, but I have a thing in my head. I need to kill an elk. Like right. I, when I start something, I can't take my mind off until I finish it. And But mule deer, I want to hunt mule deer they're really so bad cool. with the bow. They are the coolest animal. I mean, I, I have love for elk, but mule deer are just so freaking yeah. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, I haven't even really done a whole lot of research into mule deer hunting just from the fact, again, I just try to stay focused and otherwise I, my mind tends to be scrambled right. more than it already is. So, yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. There is a lot going I on. I will have a mule deer tag this year in Idaho. It's over the counter, so I'm just going to pick one up while I'm elk hunting. So There you go. That's See? about it. There you go. Do you have any hunts planned for this year? I have my general text. I have 13 deer points for Utah. Well, I didn't draw this year, so now I'll have 14. I'm kind of holding out for a premium limited entry unit. And then I have my general, just my general archery tag. And then I can buy a multi-season elk tag. So I can hunt all three seasons that. And then might try to make a couple trips to Texas. Um, trying to work on some stuff in Wyoming for some antelope hunts. So Oh, nice. Yeah. That would be fun. Have you hunted antelope Usually it's before? for the moment stuff. It's like... <laughs> fly by the seat of my pants this came up gonna go do that so i don't have anything solid yeah yet but there's some stuff going on yeah that's awesome that's, those are the best ones in my opinion because oh, yeah. i don't know about you but for me i when i start planning something a long ways out i almost like get stressed with it and i'm trying to everything's got to be perfect when when things come up like last year i went to alberta i got a call two weeks beforehand and chris was like can can you go to alberta and i was like yeah and then yeah, you just make it you happen. Can't say no. Yeah, you just make it happen, and it, and it all works out. Yeah, it always know? does. It all works out. And when I went to great. Texas, I bought a one-way plane ticket because I didn't. I wanted to make sure I had enough time to do what I went there to do. Wasn't sure <laughs> how what that was going to look like, so I bought a one-way ticket and just said I'd figure out how to get home after the weekend was over or the week. I was there for like eight days, but yeah, <laughs> that's funny. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, you always figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
But um, so, Sarah, what I kind of want to talk to you about a little bit here is your experience at Easton and being in the, the sales and kind of customer service, as you were saying a little bit. So when it comes down to arrows, if someone were to call Easton, are you who normally yeah. picks up? Yep. So we, I do a lot of dealer, um, st- handle stuff on the dealer end, but I also handle like consumer calls, people calling in looking for advice or tech support, uh, wanting to double check their make sure they're shooting the right thing so yeah you get me if you call easton <laughs> okay so what What? i guess this might be a pretty general question but like if someone's calling in be like what's do they say i want the perfect hunting arrow for this yeah su- yeah uh, they'll, they'll kind of give you a scenario and say this is what i want to this is what i want to be I want to be light and fast or heavy and hard hitting. I'm going to be doing this type of hunt, but I also might do this, but I want to do target archery too. Yeah. And here's what I'm shooting and go. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can I shoot? So I want the best all around arrow that does everything. everything. With no compromise. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So and there, we have quite a few options and I mean, it's fun because I mean, we, we have a lot of options because we have an arrow for every archer. So regardless of what you're trying to do, there's a way to do it. Yeah. So, all right. A lot of the listeners of the podcast here, you know, they're going out west for the first time elk hunting or mule deer hunting and also doing some whitetail hunting. What's the perfect arrow? What's the perfect arrow? For whitetail, I'm going to recommend usually light and fast because your shots are going to be closer distance than out west. So you want light, fast, um, that arrow to get there now and quiet. And so I'd recommend something a little lighter. Um, out west, heavier, you're taking longer shots. So I recommend something a little heavier. Um, and then it comes down to the technical, putting yeah. uh, brass in your arrow to improve your front of center, that kinetic energy, because you're shooting farther, but you still want that arrow to pack a punch at those distances. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I, Especially say, helping steer the broad heads and stuff. You right, know, right. Flatter trajectory at longer ranges, so... Definitely heavier for what for out west. Yeah. Okay, so I um I I like the heavier arrow for whitetails myself. Mm-hmm. Which, well, I guess it started with being out west. I'm not going to change yeah. you know right. arrows with it, but I I don't know. I like I'd rather have a slower bow that's hard hitting in case right. you do right. You know, I don't always make the best shots <laughs> at times, so I like to be able to have something do a little some bit damage. of a punch. Yeah. So what kind of what as far as what's your what kind of arrows usually put people in as far as like actual like the model model um yeah. so f- i would usually usually i mean i have my favorites that yeah. and i've set up a lot of people on you know we have detailed programs that i can really see like the technical side and the weights and the front of center percentages so um for out west i do a lot i put a lot of people in an axis five millimeter or a fmj five millimeter um those are kind of like your top shelf uh serious arrows that we have um smaller arrows are four millimeter but they're a lot more technical they are different thread patterns so you need different components to fit those yeah so if someone just says i need i need an arrow this is what i want to do access full metal jacket if someone's more technical about it and they want to start adding stuff then then i'd say like a four millimeter yeah the so the axis five millimeters is what when I worked at an archery shop and we had that those were a really good selling arrow oh, yeah, for yeah. people that were doing the crossover stuff uh-huh. between elk and whitetails, and and that's what 
my buddy Michael that's here. That's what he shot, and he put some of the brass inserts yeah, up front yeah. and everything. That's kind of your best of both worlds, Arrow, because it's middle of the range as far as weight goes, but it is, it's still light, but it's, yeah. still, it's still got some weight to it. And then it has the options for your brass inserts. and So that, one's, that one does really, really well for us. And what about uh, as far as the FMJs series? Yeah, those are those are heavy. So once you get those built up, and those also you can put brass inserts in those, so you get a pretty heavy arrow. You get you get some punch out of those things. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Personally, for me, there I'm shooting 54 pounds. So full metal jackets when I shoot these these events and stuff, um, my I just don't get the clearance. Yeah, I can't. They lawn darts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so personally, FMJs don't work for me. Um, because I do a lot of, you know, 3D shooting on the side. And so I go with something a little lighter uh, t- so I can make those shots. But Okay. And um, it's, it's, but it's one of those things, too, I'm sure, that you can't just – it's not like one arrow is right for this person right. and the next, for the next person. Right. And that's where it's funny because you, you can ask the general question, what's the best hunting arrow? Well, that's bullshit. You like, what do you want to do? Yeah, you can't, you can't just answer that. And I, I saw it from the side, again, being in the archery shop, you know, People are like, I want the best hunting arrow that can do this and this and this. Well, no, you need to figure out what you, your intended use is for it. Same thing like with Sika gear, anything else. Exactly. When you get to some of this higher-end stuff that's built for a purpose. Yeah. You would die at some of the, the calls <laughs> I take about. <laughs> I mean, which is fine. People need to learn. But, I mean, there's different, I guess, tiers, you could say, of experience. You could say this guy takes his bow out once a week a week before the sea or one, you know, a couple of weeks before the season puts it back in storage. And then you get your guy that shoots year round and shooting tournaments and staying sharp. And so the guy that's shooting maybe twice, three times a year is probably not going to spend the money that the other guy is. Yeah. And they just walk into an archery shop. Yep. That'll work. It'll shoot straight. Let's just go with that. And then, you know, you get your more technical side that and there's, so we have arrows kind of at every level for any need really. Yeah. Built for those different yeah. tiers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is so funny though. Like I, and arrows were one thing that people would come, you know, I want, I want cheap arrows that are built strong and to be straight and do this and go through it. (laughs) And it was like the same thing when I was a SICA dealer, it was like people come in, I want something that's going to get me from September through January. So I'm hot. One 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 system. I want (laughs) I want a jacket. I want a jacket and pants system. And it's again, I'm not making fun of anybody here. It's just a a learning curve as far as the process with um, understanding it. There's no when you have uh, when you're getting into some of this higher end stuff. There's not an all around perfect thing. There's got to be compromise. So when it's built specific for the application, you know things like full metal jackets and and it's really eye opening when you do use correct equipment or gear because then you're like whoa i'm warm yeah i'm warm or i'm you know i'm shooting better and and i'm kind of a head case about some things like if i if i feel good about something it it just helps me i mean i got there a couple years ago when i shot my deer shot a deer i had a new bow i just felt like it was confidence boost big time had a new bow got you know my arrows i set up all my own arrows so i just had everything felt good my system was on point and i was successful that doesn't always go hand in hand but yeah once you learn like the education part behind it and then you you can start making educated decisions that gets you a little farther oh yeah and, and the confidence thing is like i it could be mo- mostly mental i don't oh, know it is all mental. But like i remember i remember some guy that says that it's all mental. Yes, yeah, so, so, <laughs> it's a guy. Uh, 
but anyways, uh, when uh, like I, I know, like with say Sika specifically, like when I start wearing, when I started wearing that for whitetails, even up in Alberta, we we're hunting a negative degree weather, and I get in a tree stand, I just felt like. I'm not getting. I'm not sitting there worried yeah. about you know freezing. Yeah, and like yep. you just your you, head's in the game. Your head's in you're the not game about how cold you are. You're exactly right, <laughs> and you know it's the same way with knowing your gear inside and out from all those. Yeah. A lot of this, a lot of, I mean, with anything is is all stems from education, and then that people ask me you know a lot about their setup and how can they be more successful. It's like get educated, learn your why you use something, learn how it works, and then, I mean you it just opens up so many more channels of different way, different directions you can go in different situations. Yep. No, I, c- I completely agree with that. And and that's why, again, like you say, you're here working a sick booth. Sick is not selling anything here. No. You're here to educate yeah. and talk about yep. the stuff. And We've got a couple uh, sets up, uh, let them get their hands on it, get a feel for it, uh, see it in person, and then, yeah, shake hands and, and answer questions. Yeah. Is that what, I mean, is that, it sounds like you enjoy that part a lot about your job. I love people. I love being out, hanging out and networking and talking and uh, educating. You know, this is, this is my environment. I like doing shows. Yeah. I, shows are awesome. Like I, I wish I had more time off of work to do more of them because it's like, that's my, that's my thing. It's where I. I'm around the type of people, you know, whether it's consumers, whether it's people working in the industry, everybody's so awesome and Mm -hmm. being able to hang out and, and talk and every once in a while drink a beer too. Yeah. That's when the best connections are made. I personally, in this industry is when you're just hanging out and get to catch up and it is too. And you just never know, you know, what, what could be, I've met so many like great friends in a short amount of time in there and, and, uh, it's, it's funny how that works out, but I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, I went hunting with Jeff Helm, and I only knew him three days before I said, okay, I'm buying a one-way plane ticket to Texas to come hunt with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just these pe- good people. Yeah. Like-minded people. That's for sure. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about on here? Is this Sarah's life? This is, that- is <laughs> cornhole and arrows and sick of gear. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. So, Sarah, where can uh, where can the listeners find some more information on you? Any of your social media handles you want to spit out? Yeah, I got my Instagram. It's just my first last name. It's Sarah S A R A H period, and then Lauder L A U G H T E R underscore, and then Facebook. All right, what's up with the underscore at the end? I asked Alex the same thing because the cause names get taken. So like, I can't just have a dot in my name because it's someone else. Someone already else already Sarah Lauder, right? Oh. So then you just got to throw something out there that's unique enough that. Interesting. Yeah. I, no, <laughs> it's I, well, available. Yeah, I got you. Okay. I just you know how hard it is? had to ask because Alex had no answer for that one. So I didn't just say, I don't know. It just look cool. Just, yeah. <laughs> I was going to go with that one too. <laughs> just look cool. I had to have like an educated answer on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to here. We got people flooding the booth right now. I uh, feel like there's some cornhole that needs to be thrown yeah let's throw some cornhole and i'll get my uh pack frame if you're my partner hey (laughs) all right i'm ending this before this (laughs) before the i either put my muck boots on as it starts getting deep in here yeah (laughs) all right thanks for coming on sarah thanks for having me 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.